You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Um, I'll just say this too. Today's going to be very full. The Holy Spirit has a very, very heavy message for us all. The message should not bring condemnation or shame that you're too far from the Lord's mercy. However, this message, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to convict our hearts. Some of us with just a nudge, and honestly, some of us with a spiritual two by four to crack our stubborn worldly skulls. Time's running out, church. And God's calling the church to be the church. And in order to be the church, we need to wake up. So I speak against lies. I speak against the enemy trying to deceive you that you are far too gone from the Lord's mercy. That's not what this message is. But it is a call to getting back right and shaking off the wicked ways within us as Christians, as a body of Christ. I so want to say that. And I'm being a little sarcastic in the message title, but the message title today is how to live a powerless life and how to be a powerless church. Because I think our culture all wants us to live powerless. So the culture, the enemy, the evil one, the seeking who he may devour, He is against the kingdom of God. The evil one is absolutely in opposition to the spirit of God and the kingdom of God. And so he wants you as a Christian, he wants you to stay powerless. He wants you to have no power because if a believer is walking in no power, he doesn't have to worry at all. The ones he worries about are the ones that are starting to get it and walking and living their lives in power. The enemy is all about churches that are powerless, and we have tons of them all over the world. I'm not pointing blame, I'm not pointing judgment, but churches have become stagnant and powerless, and that's exactly what the message is today. So if you would like to attend a powerless church, this is what the church should look like. And I'm gonna tell you in just a minute, you wanna live a powerless life there are some great steps that you can take and our world produces a buffet of options for you to live a powerless life. So you're gonna be encouraged today and when you leave, you're gonna be even more powerless than when you came. It's gonna be excellent. So the first thing to a powerless life is number one, you need to live like you've forgotten your life-saving hope, okay? The hope that Jesus gave you, grace that you have been saved, that you have been changed and you have been rescued from darkness. Forget that. Forget that. Now, our world, or shall I say, let let me back up, our minds are wired in the sense that we don't forget things unless we put our attention and focus on something else. The enemy knows that. And so we try to clutter our minds with the things that sparkle and the things that attract us and draw us 
to those distractions. Let's just, uh, oh, let's just name a few. How about this? We have wealth, right? All of us are living for wealth. If you wanna live a powerless life, you go for the powerful material, right? It's wealth, that's what secures you. That's what buys you success and happiness, right? What else do we have? We have uh, a, a ring full of keys. This may be to your, uh, the average American has two cars. A lot of families have three or four. I'm not saying that all of this is negative, by the way, so don't listen to that voice. The things of themselves and even financial wealth is not bad in itself. It's when this becomes your life-saving hope. You see, if you wanna live a powerless life and we wanna be a powerless church, we focus on the toys. We focus on the wealth. How about everything going on in our world? I mean, you don't even have to turn on the news or the TV or even look at your phone to know that our world is falling apart. And we see all of these mandates and threats and the political uh, Jenga tower, right? It's ready to crumble. And what do we do? What do we do? If you wanna live a, a powerless life, just blind yourself and just act like it's not really happening. Okay, we blind ourselves with entertainment. Where's some entertainment? Rah, rah. Sports. No, I'm not gonna do the splits. No, I was in theater, I used to do that, but you know, God changed my calling. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not saying sports are bad. But so often we forget our life-saving hope in Jesus when we put our hope in things that we think are going to make our kids something of worth. That couldn't be further from the lie. We have sports. What else do we have? Oh my gosh, my phone? This is a distraction. This is a blindfold. As long as I can just stay numb to the pain, as long as I can stay numb and distracted, I am good, right? And we forget, we start to live like wealthy Americans. Home of the brave, land of the free, it's our freedom. We focus on our rights as Americans, nothing bad about that, but we put that above our life-saving hope. In Jesus. So if you want to live a powerless life, put everything else on the table in your life, which will then clutter it to the point where you start to think about other things than your life-saving hope. And you will start to see powerless fruit be produced in your life. It's great. Number two, complain. Blame and avoid stretching when you face testing and trials. This is how you live a powerless life. First of all, complain. I got this from uh, Goshen cheerleaders, so props to Goshen cheerleaders. We talk to God like this and we say, God, I thought that you would give, not give me more than I can handle. Hello, God, I'm right here, I'm doing good deeds, I go to church, why are you putting me through this? And instead of focusing on God, who said he would never leave you or forsake you, start complaining about the winds and the storms that are rocking your boat to and fro. 
Start focusing and complaining on the things you don't have rather than focus on the things that God has given you and supplied you. That's how you live a powerless life. And then what do we do? We sure like, go Reds. We sure like to point the blame, don't we? Yeah, I'm pointing at you, Daniel. You messed up my message last week. No, I'm kidding. I'm pointing at you. You're, you're distracting me. What do our kids say all the time? Mom, mom, he made me do it. And then we're 30 years old and 50 years old, and we're saying, God, she made me do it. The devil made me do it. We point blank. We don't take authority. We don't take acknowledgement for our own stupidity and our own decisions. You choose. You choose. We choose what we consume. We choose what we follow. We choose what we pursue. And then when crud hits the fan, we point because it can't be us. We got to figure out why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. And we don't want to believe that God would at least a loving father would put some tension on our lives. That's not a loving, forgiving father. And so what do we do? I like this prop. (laughs) See, when you have kids, your props are endless. Talking about material wealth, this stuff. I tell you what, we avoid. Whatever you do to put blinders on, you avoid. Some of you mask this with either music or just searching internet. How many of you know you can spend hours on Facebook, Instagram, just scrolling, just scrolling. Nothing wrong, nothing really bothering you, but you're just doing this. Just avoiding the tension, avoiding the Unresolved conflict with my mom or dad or, Lord Jesus, my in-laws, your in-laws. All the relational strife, all the things that you know you need to give attention to, but no, 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 I'm just going to play my video games. I'm going to watch Netflix, binge watch. I'm just going to do my projects in the house. There's always projects. I'm just going to avoid. I'm going to avoid. I'm going to stand behind this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's all going to go away. It's not going to go away. But what you do to live a powerless life, and we as a powerless church, we just don't address it anymore. We're just going to tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear. We're just going to try for about 60 to 80 minutes. We're just going to try for you to just forget that you're facing trials. I mean, who needs tension, right? That's why you don't go to the gym. You don't like the tension. You don't like the work. So if you want to be a powerless church and live a powerless life, stop worrying about the testing and the trials. They're probably from the devil anyways. So just rebuke the devil and never have any testing or trials and never grow. That's how you live a powerless life because tension is absolutely required for growth. So complain, blame, and avoid the stretching when you face testing and trials. The third thing, I'm so excited, this is gonna encourage you. The third thing to live a powerless life and be a powerless church is to live in sin without ever repenting or a desire to be convicted. While living in the grace message, we're gonna have grace, 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 grace has saved us 
Grace is undeserved favor. And it doesn't matter how I live. It's just grace. Grace has found me right here and grace is with me to stay right here. That's how you live a powerless life. When you don't realize that the sin that is literally separating you from the Father, oh no, but I have grace. I have grace, 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 grace. Grace, 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 grace. We should write a song. Grace, 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 grace. Because that's what we preach. You can live how you want to live. Just make sure that you have the ticket out of hell card when you leave this earth. That's all that matters. Live how you want to live. Just leave with the get out of free, get out of hell free card. You live like you want to live as long as you can leave with grace. That's how you live a powerless life. That's how we become a church with no power. And so I want to remind us of these three points. If you truly want to swim with the current of our world, if you want to go with the stream of our culture that tells you life should be a breeze, do what feels good, live life in the path of least regret, and stay quiet and let everything take its course. If we wanna live that kind of powerless life that has no fruit of any heavenly value, you're gonna live like you forget, have forgotten who saved you. You're gonna live and forget where your life was before Jesus came to your rescue. And you're gonna forget the power that was in the blood that Jesus shed for you. You're gonna forget the power of sin that has stained your life. And then you're gonna complain and you're gonna blame others and avoid all the testing because we're really good as Christians. I think we're better than the world, honestly, than, than others in complaining about the cards that were dealt to us. Complaining about what we don't have. Complaining about all the things we have to go through. And now my third car is in the mechanic and I don't know how I'm gonna afford the bills for that. We complain and we complain and we complain. That's what leads us to disengaging from the power source of God. And if you really wanna leave this earth in a very powerless way, just continue to live the way you were when Jesus' blood saved you. And act like nothing's wrong with the way you live. And you wanna attend a church that doesn't step on your toes but just encourages you just to stay just like you are. No worries, just come as you are and stay that way. Then find a church that does these three things. Now, let me ask you. Oh, I have some more props. I forgot to pull these out. You know, it's so interesting to me because sin enslaves us to death. We read that in the Bible. We're in bondage. And Jesus frees us from our chains. And yet, what do we do? We put them right back on. Because they're comfortable. And then we wonder why we're so exhausted from the weight and the burden of sin. 
There's no blessings in our lives. We can't hear God. We can't see God. And we wonder why when we're just carrying all of the dead weight that Jesus died on the cross to cleanse and remove from our lives. And then when we're stuck with all of this powerless living, we start, I know they're pink, don't judge me. We start judging others. Ha, 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 they see you were a prop. We start judging others. We start fighting other Christians because we just don't agree or we don't like the way you do the things you do. And obviously, you said something to me, and it's really caused a trickle effect of my life crumbling. We start fighting each other. We start throwing punches, and we're absolutely, absolutely blind and so far away from God's design for the church and for your life. So let me ask you. Here it becomes real, okay? What would Jesus do? If we just said, Jesus, come on in. If we open the doors to our church, we unlock it. What would happen if Jesus came and just sat in your living room for a minute? Sat at the table of your life? What would Jesus do? I mean, this is the Jesus that saved us. This is the Jesus that we all come to church to worship. This is the Jesus that we all wear bumper or wear shirts and bumper stickers and we're Facebooked. We have wonderful quotes and scriptures. What if we really let Jesus come into this temple, this church? What if you invited Jesus to actually, you open the door of your heart, of your temple to the Lord? Honestly, I think what would happen is the same thing that happened when Jesus and John went into the temple that was built and designed for God to meet with his people. The temple was designed for worship and prayer and sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And nothing's changed in thousands of years to Jesus' day. The place that was supposed to be sacred, the place that was supposed to be set apart for God and his people became a marketplace became a place of cravings and attractions of this world. It became a place of exploiting and abusing people for money, all in the name of God and sacrifice, all in the name of religious activity. It was all empty, but people were going through the moods and the motions and buying the sacrifices for triple the price just to say that they went to the temple and met with God. It was filled with entertainment and things and noise, 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 noise to forget their hope. There was complaining and blaming and avoiding going on in the temple. And there was sin going on in the temple. It was just grace, just grace. Just do your sacrifices, do your penance, go through the motions and go back on with your day. And Jesus said, no, no. He says, no, my house of prayer, my temple where my presence dwells will not be a marketplace or an entertainment anymore. You live in sin and yet go out and 
preach the gospel of grace to everyone, while you're addicted and drinking to excess, and you're looking at pornography, and you're consuming the things of this world, you're pursuing success. And when mandates come that threaten your job, you're focused on your job and you're focused on everything, but you have forgotten your hope. You've forgotten that God is faithful and he, he, he formed you. He knows you. And he sent his son to redeem you. Not to stay in the sinful state that you were, but to change you, transform you, and to actually make you into his image so that when you walk into a place, tables flip over. Jesus looks at his church. I believe Jesus even now. He's overcome. He's redeemed us by his blood, but he is grieving. He's grieving over his bride. He says, I didn't die to save you by my grace for you so you can live like you never received it. He says, I didn't die to make you my bride to go on and being unfaithful with everything that attracts you and comes your way. You're my bride. You're my bride. Stop cheating on me. I didn't die to put my spirit inside of you so that you can keep it hidden so you don't offend anyone. I didn't die for your new life, resurrected in my likeness by the power of my spirit, for you to grow, go around walking like you're dead in your sin. No different than anybody else, just so people will accept you. Because, by goodness, that's what we want to do, so that then we can witness to them once we win their respect, right? Well, when have you won them? Jesus says, I didn't break the chains of sin, hell, and death. I didn't break those chains for you to put them right back on and carry the weight of bondage. And so I believe if Jesus was right here in the flesh, he would say, who lied to you? Who robbed you? Who told you different? Who took you from being mine, bought with the price of my blood, changed from death to life, filled with my spirit to overflowing, filled with power, love, and a sound mind? Who took that away from you? Why are you pursuing the things that don't bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? You are living powerless lives. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. 
Some of you are asking, are we in the last days? Yup. We have been since Jesus ascended. But we also know that the last days get darker and darker and darker to the return of Jesus. There will be times of difficulty. Yet we just run and run and run to complaining. Difficulty? Why would God do that to our lives? You see, friends, you can't be sharp or sharper in your life without being sharpened. You cannot be molded without being refined by heat. You take a simple tea bag and put it in cold water, you see nothing in the contents of that bag. It takes boiling hot water to get those contents to come to the surface. Christians are the very best at trying to avoid tension. And friends, I, I'm, not a, I'm not apologizing for this, but just know that this is gonna be a little graphic. We have mothers and children and fathers right now in Afghanistan and other world countries walking the last 500 feet of their life to a little shack where something happens where their breath, their physical breath is taken away from them. For what? For putting their hope only in Jesus. For allowing the testing and the trials the persecution and the circumstances to make them more like Jesus. And third, they are pure and spotless and will not say yes to anything that contaminates their relationship with Jesus. And I heard a story, I don't know if it's true, but one boy was holding his mommy's hand, walking with Taliban soldiers, all around them, and says, Mommy, are we going to see Jesus today? And she said, yes, son, we are. And he looks to her and says, I will never deny Jesus. That's what Jesus died for. And he's flipping the tables of the American, comfortable, grace-filled church mentality. It's not okay to sin. It's not. Will you? Yeah, you will. That's why his blood is powerful. His blood is more than enough. Will you get it wrong? Absolutely, you'll get it wrong. Will you fall into temptation? Absolutely, you will. You don't have to. It's not optional. But we choose to sin. Friends, it's not okay to have sex before marriage. Men and women who are married, it's not okay to have emotional affairs. It's not okay to be unfaithful. It's not okay to live in sexual immorality. And we point it to one subject to homosexuality when we have adultery all throughout the space and in our community of churches. We have divorce that has stained over 46% of people who go to church faithfully. Is there forgiveness? Absolutely. Is there grace? Absolutely. Does God want to redeem it? Absolutely. But we have churches that stand at the pulpit and just say, it's okay. 
Take communion. When we just go back into our world and we just participate in gossip, slander, all the while being consumed with everything political and social media throws our way. Oh, back to the scripture. For people who will be lovers of money, self, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. That's a sin. Doesn't matter if your parents are 80 or 25. Ungrateful. Unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Am I reading your journal? Because I've been reading mine. <laughs> lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. We are living with some form of Christianity, I would say a spirit of religion for many. We have a form of godliness. We talk Christianese. We have a cross in our home. We know a few scriptures. So we're living in a form of Christianity and godliness, but we, friends, you may be genuinely, sincerely saved by Christ. I'm not diminishing that. Salvation is absolutely free. It is grace. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It is freely given to you. All you have to do is believe, confess, and receive. Salvation is spelled D-O-N-E. For those of you who, like my son, is just learning to spell, and he spells simple words to me, and I'm like, I have to take a second to spell them out. D-O-N-E spells done. It means you don't have to do anything. It was paid and purchased in the blood of Jesus. It's free. You want to follow Christ? It will cost you everything. You want to live as Christ and grow in Christ and advance his kingdom? It will cost you everything. So my friends, those of you who are saved by grace, and it is by grace, continue to fan that flame of your relationship. But if you don't count the cost, and you don't start turning from your wicked ways, you are going to live a life without power. Saved by grace, but no power for spiritual supernatural life. Church, if we just go through the motions, just check off our Sunday worship list, hear the message, come to the altar, cry a little, laugh a little, fellowship a little, you can grow in your relationship with others and with Christ. I'm not saying that you're not going to heaven, but we as a church, we will be filled with powerless people. And we will not look any different than anywhere else around the world. 
You see, we meet in churches and we proclaim to have the answer and know the answer. And yet the power of the blood that was shed for you and me is lifeless. And the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that is supposed to bring us life leaves us stagnant. And so I believe the Lord is calling us to awaken. The alarm has been turned on. In in Revelation, Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus and he says, the one thing I have against you is you have forgotten your first love. You've forgotten your hope. And because you've forgotten your hope, you live like the pagans and the sinners who are not saved by grace. And what does he say? Repent. Turn back to me while you still have time. I'd like to give a call to action in these final moments where there's no distraction. This could be the most important five to 10 minutes of someone's life sitting next to you. A call to action. If you indeed no longer wanna live a life with no power, if we indeed want to be a church marked by our love for one another and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then these are three things we must get in alignment with. Number one, the hope we have in Jesus must be the main thing and the only thing. And I know things are crazy. I understand it's awful. Yes, we're supposed to be a voice of light. We're supposed to speak to injustice. Yes, we are to speak up for the powerless, those who can't speak for themselves. Absolutely. But so often we get off kilter and we lose focus when we consume our focus on other things. That is not the main thing. Friends, do an inventory today. Go through your social media posts. Go through your texting. Go through your schedule and go through your bank account. And start asking yourself, does all of this show where my hope lies? Is Jesus really the main thing of my life? If not, you have a choice to make. Keep on living the way that you are as lukewarm as Jesus called the church in Ephesus or to lay it down and to start pursuing Jesus at a cost. Number two, how we respond to testing and trials matters. We are all going to go through difficult times. Jesus says, in this life, you will experience great difficulty, great challenges. You will lose people you love dearly because of the curse and the fall of sin. People will hate you. People will mock you. People will try to get your job stolen from you. People are out to make your life miserable. Relationships will be broken. The economy will be broken. All these testing and trials, could they possibly be to make you more like Christ? 
And let me ask you this, the testing and trials that have come in the last month in your life, have they caused you to draw closer to God in trust and seeking him in prayer? Or has it caused you to live your life in fear? Panic. Filling your schedule with things that are just gonna be loud noise and numb you from the reality of what's going on. Number three, a call to holy living requires repentance. Repentance is just a spiritual terminology that means turning from your wicked ways, turning from sin that separates you. Let me tell you something. This is something that so often is not preached from the pulpit. You are, a, if you're a Christian, means you've been saved by the blood of Jesus. You have been indwelt with the presence of God through the Holy Spirit as a temple of the living God. When you sin, even though Jesus paid for the forgiveness of that sin, that still separates you from the Father. Now, his blood covers it. But there is a separation. Have you ever felt it? I felt it. I dealt with years of a pornography addiction, years, and I was faithfully serving the Lord. I loved God, but I was so gripped by the addiction. But I tell you what, God's grace did something. Every time I fell short, I felt further and further away from God. It was almost like I was living in obedience to God, and then I fell short, and the Holy Spirit just kind of went, still love you, you're bought with a price but I cannot have anything to do with what you're doing right now until you get on your knees and you ask me for forgiveness. We preach grace without repentance that is so unbiblical and is demonic. It is, friends. I'm not speaking condemnation. I'm not speaking guilt and shame. What I'm speaking of is going with your life, knowing that it's sin. James 4, 17 says, you know what you should do or don't do, and you don't do it, that's sin. Jesus tells us through the author of Hebrews and James to be absolutely broken for our sin, absolutely beyond ourselves in tears and weeping because of our sin. So let's end with Ephesians. And then we're gonna come up and respond. Ephesians 4, this is a long passage, okay? But stay with me. Pull out your phones, pull out your Bibles. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to every Christian to wake up with this word. With the Lord's authority, I, Paul, say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. The Gentiles were not Jews. They were hated. They worshiped other gods and pagans. They were pagans. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. 
They have no sense of shame. This could be written right now. They have no sense of shame. They live for the lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, and since you have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, flip it completely. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, just like you put on clothes every morning. Put on that new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous. What does righteous mean? In right standing with God. That is nothing short of a miracle. And holy, you are called to be holy. You are a holy temple for the holy presence of God. God cannot tolerate anything short of holiness. Is this perfection? No, this is called alignment with Jesus Christ, our hope. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Mm-mm. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Ooh, 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 ooh. Take that one to the Holy Spirit and ask him to teach you, show you what's right. Our mouths don't represent the love of Jesus so often. Is that a problem? Absolutely. We need to get right. You really think that God is going to bless your mouth full of power when you're using it with a bunch of filth? I've been so convicted of this. He wants a purified temple that he can come with power and dwell. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Get rid of it. If you have it in your life, it's not supposed to be in your life. This isn't legalism where we're judging and condemning you. This is you literally putting a ceiling on God's power in your life. And this is you putting a zipper on your witness of the gospel and good news of Jesus. Jesus. 
Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, forgave you. What would happen if the church began to live this way? And so as the band comes up, I wanna leave you with a few more things in this fire hose of a message. First of all, I love you. And you are deeply loved. And I also wanna say, your lead pastor needs prayer in this as well. I'm walking the same road. It might just be a different road sign than yours. God's call, hear me, God's call to holy living is not optional, but you can choose to live holy or not. The command to become living sacrifices to God is not optional. It's not a Christian buffet. It's not optional, but you can choose whether or not to partake or not. Walking in your new nature in Christ is not optional, but you can choose to walk in your newness or not. Repentance is not optional, but we sure make the choice to live unrepented sin or not. And being continually filled with the Holy Spirit is not optional, but we decide whether or not to give permission to the Holy Spirit to consume our lives, to purify us, and to cleanse us. Friends, to follow Jesus and grow more and more and more in looking like him will cost you your life. That includes your agenda. That includes your family. That includes your dreams. That includes your need for wealth, your craving for fame and status, your, your American rights. Come on. They're important. They're important, but they're not the main thing. In order to follow Jesus and look more like him, we need to lay our life down for the sake of Jesus. Let me tell you, friends, if you wanna be a temple of God and host God's presence wherever you go, you must be a purified, empty vessel. You must. A requirement. Now you choose whether or not to be empty and purified, but the results and the, the fruit that you produce will follow that. I'm going to leave you with a scripture and then we're going to respond. James 4, 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands. Cleanse yourself, sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief 
Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And when you receive cleansing and purification and forgiveness, the Lord will raise you up. The altar is open today in a very different way. There's commun- there are communion trays on the front of the altar. If you want to exchange the things you have put on your table of your life and receive the cleansing and the forgiveness, the purifying work of Jesus, I want you to, in a symbolic way, physically come down to the altar and lay what you've been holding on into your life, lay what you have been building your life upon, and then take a cup, go back to your seat, peel the cellophane, sometimes it's challenging, peel the cellophane, take the bread of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and crucified for you, and take the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. I was asked the other day about, well, we're believers, we're sinners, saved by grace, so we're gonna sin. No, you're not. Look at the Bible. We sin because we're sinners. But when we're saved by God's grace, we are no longer sinners. We are children of the Most High God. We are a royal priesthood. We are victorious where there's no condemnation. We are powerhouses for the Spirit of God. You're not a sinner. You're not. And as long as you keep thinking you are, that's what you're going to do. You're a child of the King. You are bought with a price. You are cleansed. You are blameless. You are guiltless. You are shameless. And you are holy. So as you take communion today, as you lay down what you've been living your life for, and as you take Jesus, I want you to remember and start building your life on your identity. Guys, Jesus died to purchase a spotless bride. We've got to get back to our design. And it starts with repenting and drawing back to Jesus. Now I encourage you in this time to respond accordingly. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.